Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. Exodus chapter 33, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a book written by, this is one of the books, one of the few books that the author writes of himself, about himself, like Peter writes the book of 1st, 2nd, 3rd Peter, and he writes to the church in Minor Asia. John writes the gospel according to St. John on Jesus. Matthew writes the gospel according to St. Matthew on Jesus. But, 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 but Exodus is a narrative of scripture that is composed of God's trajectory of, through God's people towards a promised land of himself. And he, he is, he's explaining his process as God calls him towards his destiny. It's, 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 it's like he's writing a diary, if you will, and every day he's writing. Uh, uh, obviously, that's not so. He went to, you know, I'll explain another day. But he, he's one of the few authors that writes about himself and his experience in the journey with God. That's, that doesn't happen much. Um, um, and so he writes this, and it's interesting that uh, this story takes place at a very crucial time in the history of the Old Testament. We see here ex- Exodus chapter 33. Uh, Moses is trying to lead God's people to what God told them, I'm going to take you to the promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to take you to Canaan. And we talked about that last week. Um, but, but, but on his way to that process, God, because you need to understand this, When God took the people out of Egypt, they were in Egypt for 400 years slaves. Remember that story, Exodus chapter 2? They they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. Even though they worshipped God, even though they worshipped Jehovah, they were for 400 years under the Egyptian captivity as slaves. So now God delivers them, opens the Red Sea, they cross through dry land, they make it to the other side. Uh, uh, Mary and the women are hidden tambourines and they're having church on the other side. But they're still stuck with customs and mannerisms from Egypt because that's all they did enforced by Egyptian regime. They, they didn't have the option of going on the Sabbath to a synagogue because they were slaves. They didn't have the option to publicly worship the Lord Jehovah because if you ever worship the Lord Jehovah and the Pharaoh heard you, whoosh, you get whooped in the back. So for 400 years, don't worry about that, that's changing periods. For 400 years, for 400 years, they had to do what they were told to do. So now they come out of slavery, but their minds and their way of doing things, they're accustomed to the way they were doing it. So God says, I need to give you 10 rules, which is the 10 commandments. I'm going to give you 10 sets of rules or 10 rules so that as you apply these 10 rules, these 10 commandments can allow you to detox 400 years of living outside of God's standard. 
So this moment in history is important because, because, because these ten commandments in the New Testament becomes the substratum or the foundation of everything Jesus is going to preach and teach, of everything the Apostle Paul is going to teach and preach. Everything in the New Testament stems out of theology in the Ten Commandments. So, so if there's anything that is important as the people journey towards their destiny is this moment in Moses' life. Because God is getting ready to give Moses Ten Commandments. So this is... Moses' biggest accomplishment, Moses' accomplishment was not taking the people to the promised land. He never did that. Joshua did that. Moses' greatest accomplishment was bring ten commandments to his people so that his people can go to the next level. And I don't know about you, but there may be a probability that just like Moses, there are people here today that are at that juncture, Moses was in. You know God has something for you. Because God had told Moses, Moses, while he was in front of the burning bush, I'm going to tell you, it's time for you to get out of here, go back to Egypt, and I'm going to deliver your people. G Moses knew exactly the big thing God has for him. Just like many here today. But perhaps like Moses, you know God has something big for you, but you're more concerned about the plan God has for you. Moses was concerned with the how of God's plan. Moses knows that God is with him because from the burning bush, he was with him. He knows that when he was before Pharaoh, he sent, he sent the plagues over, over Egypt and he saw the waters divide and he saw all of these. He knew God was with him. He knows the promises of God. He knows that God is for him. But he wants to know how. He wants to know how. Have you been, have you been in that predicament? And so this is what we pick up this morning. Exodus chapter 33, verses 11 through 14. It reads, and so God spoke with Moses face to face. And then he explains what he's trying to say. As neighbors speak to one another. And when he would return to the camp, his attendant, the young man Joshua, stayed. He didn't leave the tent. Moses said to God, look, you tell me, lead these people. But you don't let me know whom you're going to send with me. He's talking to God, like, 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 like neighbors, you know. You tell me, I know you well and you are special to me. If I am so special to you, let me in on your plans. That way, I will continue being special to you. Don't forget, this is your people, your responsibility. And God said, my presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the very end. So Moses, in this portion of scripture, the Bible says, Moses was speaking to God face to face. Can you imagine that? Moses, look, God looking at you face to face. Um, um, uh, hey, listen, you, you pop, pop that pimple. You got <laughs> face to face. As neighbors would speak to one another. But Moses says, Moses says, God, God, we're close, but, but truth be told, we're close, but we're not that close. H have you ever been somebody that 
Yeah, close, but you're not that close. You take group pictures and Snapchat and selfies with them, and you don't know that person. And everybody, when they look at the picture, oh, my God, they BFF forever. You don't even know that person's name. Ever been in a conversation with someone that doesn't care what you have to say? Have you been there? And everybody thinks that, oh my God, look, look at this, talking all these secrets. And, that. and you're talking your heart out, and they talk, they're not even looking and listening to what you have to say. Have you ever been what they call a side friend? You're there because there's nobody else to be there with you. So, all right, all right, you can hang out with me. But once their friend comes, they cut you out. Have you ever had nobody like that? Okay, keep on living. It's going to happen. That you know that your friend, y'all friends, but y'all not really friends. Yeah, y'all friends, but it's by default. But, but the, moment, the moment this person shows up, this relationship is over. Moses is saying to God, you say I'm special to you. You say we friends. Because you, you know, face to face. You say we friends, but, but why don't you let me in on your plans? You know, we, you know, we're friends. We go way back. We do selfies all the time. You know, I saw you in a burning bush. You, 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 you know, you know, I saw the pillar of fire. I saw the pillar of cloud. The cloud. I see all that. But I want to know, God, I want to know if we're face-to-face friends. Can you tell me your plans? You say that you got me, but I don't know how you got me. And God answers. Because Moses said, yo, show me. Show me what you're going to do. Give me a snippet. And God replies to Moses, my presence will go with you. I'll see the journey to the end. But Moses is not asking for that. Moses is saying, show me the how. How are you going to do this? Give me details. And God is saying, my presence will go with you. My first point today is, in the form of a question, is the presence of God, is the presence of God enough for you? I want you to ask that question in your heart. Is the presence of God enough for you? Is it enough? Because if it's not enough, then knowing God isn't your problem. Your problem is trusting God. Moses says, God, let me know. And God says, here's my presence. So, so, so you have knowing on the one hand, and then you have trusting on the other, and smack in the middle is the presence of God. God is saying, I know what you want. You want to know. On the other side is trust, which means that no matter what happens, God's going to prevail. But right in between that, that gap, that cleavage between knowing and trusting is the presence of God. And let me tell you, church, your perspective of the presence of God will determine where your heart wants to be. Moses is saying, God, show me your plan. And God says, I'm right here. No, no, no. I know you're here because I saw you since day one. I know you're here, but I don't want to just know you're here. I want to know your plan. And God is saying, Papa, I'm right here. I'm not going nowhere. Which sends this message. Listen to me. Which sends Moses, Moses the message which says, 
you don't have to know to trust. Sometimes we only trust when we know certain things. But God says, the way I operate, just the fact that I'm here, my presence is available. There are some things you don't have to know, but because you know that I'm here, trust in my presence. In life, in your life, in this thing called seeking God. You don't have to know how God is going to do it, church. You simply need to learn how to trust God in the process. There are people that ask God, 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 how is my marriage going to turn around? And God is not going to tell you. Well, this is what you got to do. All right, you got you to wake up in the morning at 6 o'clock, right before she gets up, do her two coffees with three sugars. And no, 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 no. He said, I don't, I'm not going to tell you how. All I need you to trust me and know that I am with you. People ask God, how is my job going to get better? And God, is, God replies, I'm not going to give you the how. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Trust me because I am with you. God, how am I going to get over this depression? Please give me two steps. Give me three steps. Show me how. And God says, I'm not going to tell you how. I just want you to know that I want you to trust me and know that I am with you. God, how am I going to make it next week? I am broke. I ain't got no money. I don't know what's going to happen. They're about to cut on my life. What gives you, Lord? Lord, give me a plan. And God is telling you today, all I'm going to tell you is, trust me, I am with you. So my question to you is, is the presence of God enough for you? Or do you need to know the hows of life? Or are we going to follow God and try to know where he's going? How many of you guys have ever been on a tour guide that you had a guide telling you which way to go? I remember one time, a couple of years ago, we went to Aruba. Went to Aruba, I got some friends in Aruba. Went to Aruba and my kids got on these four by four track wheeler things and... and <clears throat> And, and we rented them for like a couple of hours and, and, and the, the, the tour guide gives you the, 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 the rental, gives you the option of having somebody guide you and show you around. But because we were, some, we were with citizens that lived in Aruba, uh, 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 the girls, you know, they're very adventurous and my kids are very passive. They don't like to do nothing adventurous because they like to be mellow, you know, non-dramatic. Devil is a lie, right? So, so, so they all rent four by four. They're driving, they're riding it all over the streets, buck wild. And, 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 but there's a tour guide that's there at your disposal should you want him to show you around. This is that and this is the other and give you historical context. But they all wanted to go and do their own thing and drive their own way. Only to realize that when this, as they started going towards the, the, towards the area of the beach, there was a bunch of rocks. And my son, Pastor John, your pastor, who counsels and advises and teaches, he, 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 was, riding, he was riding on a 4x4. Four four, and all of a sudden, he was uncontrollably riding, unable to stop. He's riding. He jumps over a cliff like a little mountain um, thing and when he jumps over the mountains the his four by four lands on a, on a bush bushwood full of thorns it was a thorn tree and he's riding and he's hype and he only got he only got tank top and shorts and and as he jumps off and he's up in the air airborne in the, in the sky and when he starts seeing all of those thorns he land on all those thorns and i'm talking about i'm talking about listen the crown of jesus's head ain't got nothing on my son <laughs> he had thorns everywhere now, 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 had, had, had he taken the advice of being followed, of following a guide, they would have told him, dude, don't go through there. Don't go through there. Because if you go through there, you're going to experience some effect 
effects as a result of wanting to explore things on your own. Let me submit to you. When you don't let your God, Jehovah, your Lord, guide you and lead you and show you the way, sometimes you might do it on your own. But I've learned something about guides. Listen to me. I've learned this about guides. Guides guides sometimes know how to get to places quicker, faster, because they know shortcuts and they know faster routes. Listen to me. What am I trying to tell you? What I'm trying to tell you, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, you got to allow Christ to lead you. I'm going to be the type of follower that will be behind God because I don't know where I'm going. Because I don't want to fall in a, in a, in a bush, bushes full of thorns. I don't want to fall and struggle. I don't need to know where I'm going. As long as my guide knows where I'm going, I'm okay with that. Listen to me. If you knew where God was leading you, so then why do you need to follow Christ? We call ourselves followers of Christ. Well, if you, don't, if you know where you have to go, then there's no need to follow Christ. We are followers of Christ because we don't know. And we spend most of our Christian lives trying to find out where we got to go. And God is telling you, forget about where you got to go. I'm here. You're trying to figure out the fast way to fix your mess. You're trying to find out the fastest route to get to your victory. God is saying, forget about that. I am available. I am present. A true follower doesn't need to know how. A true follower simply needs a good leader. A good follower does not need to know how to get there. A good follower simply needs a leader. I don't need a map if I got a guide. I don't need a GPS if I got a guide. I don't need map. Y'all know about this. Remember MapQuest? I don't need MapQuest if I got a good guide. The presence of God is more than enough for me. Moses says, I want to know your plans. I want to know your plans. I want to know your plans. And God is saying, Papa, but I'm right here. No, no, no. I want to know your plans. And God is saying, but I am with you. No, no, no. I want to know your plans. Verse 15, Moses said, check this out. If your present doesn't take the lead here, call this trip right now. Notice something happened in Moses' life. Because at first he's like, God, tell me how you're going to do it. God, show me the way. But something happened when Moses hears God say, I'm here. That now Moses shifts from wanting to know how. And now he says, if your presence doesn't take the lead in this moment in my life, call this trip off. Stop it. I ain't moving. I ain't going. This is it. Moses went from let me know to I ain't going nowhere unless you're with me. Because of how much Moses loved the presence of God, he said, I'd rather stay right here and stay stagnant than to move anywhere and not be with you. The truth is this, church. Without the presence of God, there is no movement. How many of you guys have ever gone to LA Fitness and, and all these places? And, and in LA Fitness, they all have treadmills, right? They have treadmills. And treadmills are designed to cause you to work out, right? Work out. Work out. Somebody say work out. Take out the word out. 
and you have work, okay? The, uh, LA Fitness has these treadmills, and their job is to cause you to work. But here's the deal. You're working, and you're running, and you're moving, but you're going nowhere. You're going nowhere, and you're getting fatigued, and you're getting tired, and your arms hurt, and you're, you can't breathe right, and everything is just crazy, and, and even as good as the music is, it's annoying right now because now, you know, you're about to pass out, and you're drinking water, and your feet hurt, and you're drinking water because you're moving, and you're running, but you're going nowhere. Let me tell you something. When you decide to make decisions and go places outside of the presence of God, you might be running, and you might be moving, and it looks like you're in motion, but you're going nowhere because the one who has the final destination for you is God and God is telling you as long as you stay with me I can make a way out of no way and your job is to follow me wherever I lead you listen to me God's desire for us this morning is that we become the church that we are moving behind God listen to me David writes something like this. He says in Psalm 16, verse 1 and 2, he says, keep me safe, O God. I've run for dear life to you. I say to God, be my Lord. Without you, nothing makes sense. Listen to me, church. God wants us to live with this mentality that you can say up in your mind and say to yourself, God, if you're not with me, nothing makes sense. God, if your presence is not there, I don't want to be there. I, listen, I've been in places I don't want to be because in those places, God ain't there. And, 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 and I've got nice buffets and I got some good food and, and I got some good drinks, but I'm sitting there and, and everything looks nice, but I know that what they're talking about and the spirit of this place is not the presence of God. And, I, and I've learned how to be in a place where there's no food and there's no drinks and there's nothing and we're just sitting down, but something about that environment, the presence of God shows up. I'd rather be hungry, broke in a place and knowing that the presence of God is there and the psalmist says keep me safe I'm gonna run to you and if I run to you and nobody's there you and I are the majority he says I ain't going if your presence ain't there this is why church new birth is a hope for the world the difference between us is God's presence and many other churches Without his presence, this place is a karaoke home with nice lights. When you know, without his presence, we're another country club. Without his presence, this is just an inspirational teaching. But because God is here, he can breathe all of these things in our lives, church. Because God is here. Lives can be transformed. Because God is here, God can turn things around. Because God is here, any miracle can happen any moment. Why? Because, because God is here, everything changes. That's why when I come to church, I shout in church. I don't come collective. Listen, if, if you know that tomorrow you come to this church and I'm going to give you a million dollars, Devil is a liar. You're going to come, Matt, quiet. 
You're going to go on Facebook. You're going to go on social media. You go, mira, mira, voy para allá porque mira, Pastor Gabi va a dar un millón de pesos. I'm going over there. Pastor, give me a million dollars. I can't wait. You already start. You're already calling dealerships. You're going to make an appointment to buy cars. You're calling realtors, making appointment about houses. You're going crazy. Why? Because you know, and you know, and you know that something is up. That's why when I come to church, I come with a, with a praise in my mouth. When I come to church, I come ready to lift up my hands. When I come to church, I get ready to clap. And it might look like I'm crazy. And it might look like like, why am I screaming? But I realize that the best place is the blessed place, and the blessed place is where God is. That's why I clap my hands. That's why I worship. I don't need to know how. I just need to know who. I don't need to know what's going to happen. I just need to know that the Lord is present over my life. I don't need to know how I can control. I need to know. That he's in control. My second point is, life, I'm sorry, live a life more concerned with his presence than his plan. This is how you know you're growing and maturing in the Lord. When in your Christian walk, you're more concerned about his presence than what he's going to do. Because many people come to Jesus. Lord, if you heal me, I'll serve you. Lord, if you give me a man, I'm yours. <laughs> But live life more concerned with his presence than his plan. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge or submit to him and he will make your path straight. Let me tell you, sometimes church, our path aren't straight because we're leaning on our own understanding rather than trusting God. In all your ways, the psalmist says, submit to him. In all of your decisions, submit to him. And he says, as you submit to me, I'm going to make your path straight. As you submit, think about a chiropractor. They take you x-rays, right, in your back. If a chiropractor takes an x-ray of my back, my back looks like an eight. It's all curved up. But, 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 but it's not enough. To know that I got a problem on my back. Now I got to lay my back in the hands of a chiropractor. And, and, and as I submit my back, my spinal cord in the hands of the chiropractor, he's going to get on top of me and he's going to make adjustments. And he's going to put me in fetal position and crack my back and then twist my neck. Because, because there's something about submitting myself to the chiropractor that's going to put my back in alignment. There's something about you submitting your will to God and taking your mess in your marriage and the mess in your life and the mess of depression and the mess of your brokenness and putting it in the hands of God because God is not intimidated to make adjustments in your life. All he wants you to do is submit your ways to him and he will make your path straight. He will make your life straight. He will make your future straight. But it requires us submitting ourselves, giving God everything. He says, submit to me. God, but it sounds like you want, you want everything. Yeah, I want everything. But, 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 but every part of my life, every part, e, e, even the secrets of your life I want. Even the pornography, I want that. Even, even, even the lies that you, I want to give it all to me. He says, get, it sounds like, it sounds like God you, 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 wants me to follow even when I don't understand. Yes, that's exactly when I want you to follow. 
because I don't want you to follow under the premise of what you know. I want you to follow under the presence, under the under the, under the tense that you trust me, and you're not you're not following me. You know, you know. There are people that like to hang out with you because of what they can get out of you. There are people that, that, that hang out with you because, because I'm with her because, you know, she's going to hook me up. Oh, and, 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 and even here, people are going to start coming to this church because when they come to this church, they want to be part of something to expose them. But I'm here to tell you something. You, you don't, don't, don't be that type of follower that you're following Christ because of what you could get out of him. Follow Christ because you love him. Follow Christ because you want him. Follow Christ because you desire him. And when you do that, he will open doors that man can't close. God says, I want you to surrender completely to me. So point two is live a life more concerned with his presence than his plan. Point three. God, and I'm learning this, God is better with my life than I am. God is better with my life. God is better with your life than you are. You know why? Because he's God and I am not. And in this thing called relationship with God, there can only be one leader and one follower. Either you're going to follow or you're going to lead. And I've learned that if anybody knows what's best for me, church, is God. And so because he knows what's best for me and he loves me, I'm going to yield my will to become a follower and he could be my Look what Matthew, my leader, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11 says, if your child asks for bread, do you trick him with a sawdust? Imagine. Papi, I want bread. I want pan sobao. Got you. Go get sawdust. If he asks for fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are. You wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. So don't you think that the God who conceived you in love will be even better? He knows what's best for you, church. If a father knows to give a good gift and fathers are bad, the God will never, the God that will never fail us will do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond I could dream. And I, I think it's worth following Jesus. Anything I give to God will work. If I give God my finances, I give it to God. It will prosper. You know why? Because 10% of the 100 with me has no success. And sometimes when I stay with the 90%, it's better than if I stood with the 100. Because me giving God the 10 says, I trust you in this area of my life. I submit my family to God because I'm a good father. Listen to me. And he is a good, good father. I'm a good dad, but he's a good, good father. With everlasting patience. I surrender my life to God because it's better in his hands than in mine. So surrender it. God is better with my life than I am. Jeremiah 17 verse 7 and 8 says, But blessed is the one who trusts the Lord, whose confidence is in him. 
They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the streams. It does not fear when heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. What is God telling you this morning? Trust him when issues arise. When problems arise, when mountains fall, he says, put your confidence not in yourself, but put your confidence in God. That you can declare like Jeremiah, my roots are deep in God to the point that no drought can scare me. Why? Because my confidence is in God and consequently I will produce fruit even in dry land. So God is saying, Papa, you want to know how, but my presence will go with you. And let's continue to read Exodus chapter 33, verse 18 through 33, 23. Moses caught it and he says, Moses now says, please show me your glory. First he said, let me know your ways. Now he's saying, I don't even care about the way. He's saying, show me your glory. And look what God says. God said, I will make my goodness pass right in front of you. I'll call out the name. God right before you. God continued. But you may not see my face. No one can see me and live. And God said, look, here is the place right beside me. Put yourself on this rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll take my hand away and you will see my back. Moses is asking God, let me know how. God says, my presence is with you. Okay. Moses graduates. Now he's asking, Lord, show me your glory. And God says, you're going to see my back. Listen to me. But what do we see here? That Moses is now worried more about the presence of God more than anything in his life. And why is that important, church? Here's why this is important. Because the plan will never compare to his presence. We live most of our lives trying to figure out God's plan. And that is not the most important thing. The most important thing is not the plan God has, but the presence of God. And why is that important? Because when you have the presence of God, the presence then completes the plan. He says, God, I want everything. He says, God, I want your entire glory. I don't even care about how you're going to do it. I don't care if it's water coming out of a rock. I don't care if it's bread coming. I don't care. I just want to know more of you. And God says, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to cover you. And the Lord is calling someone today. And he says, I'm going to call you, and I'm going to call you out. And then he says, and when I remove my hand, look, and you will see my back. Now, John John, by the way, did this outline. John John, this blew him because he 
always question why didn't Moses see God's face why did God show Moses his back because this is the stance of every believer the position of every believer is to see God's back because we're not meant to see God face to face no one can we wouldn't last one second in God's presence because he's too powerful. But I and you and we can survive the sight of God's back. You know why? Because that's where we belong, behind God. Because if he is the leader, then our job is to be behind him. We can't handle what's coming before him, but we can handle what's behind him. I belong behind God. And he belongs in front of me. So as I'm following God, what do I do? When I start losing strength along the way, what do I do? First Chronicles 16:11 says, "Look to the Lord and His strength, seek His face always." When you find yourself asking this question, God, are you going to leave me and forsake me and leave me behind? Psalms chapter number 9 and verse 10 says, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. What if I don't get what I want in life? As you follow God, he tells you in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. What if things get in my way of me following God? Psalms 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. What if I lose sight of you? Psalms 143 and verse 8 tells you, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For to you I entrust my life. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.